This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast for the 30th of April 2019. And I'm here with my co-host Dave. Hey Dave. Hello. Your your new news co-host with all the new news. Some <laughs> it's new been a news. long time with the news episode. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> but before we get into the news, that's what we always do, right? <laughs> yes, let's let's should we get some some administ trivia out of the way first? Wow. Well, it's also news, I guess. I mean, the Patreon is live. Indeed. We just pressed the button five we minutes did, ago. Actually, yeah, probably five minutes ago. Um, and uh, for those that haven't actually gone through this process before, it is, there is quite a uh, cool little um, animated visualization once you do go live, where it's like sort of Fireworks. confetti sort of uh, flips confetti. over the screen and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, yes, the Patreon is live. So we talked about this. Um, back two weeks in ago. yeah yeah two weeks ago back in episode one thirty six on the sixteenth of April, um, you know we're we're sort of we're moving forward. We want to expand. We want to continue developing the podcast, and uh, you, our dis- dear listeners, can help us out. So there will be uh, a link in the show notes to the Patreon site. Uh, you can just search Patreon for Roaring Elephant, um, and there'll be a link from our website as well. So. Yeah, please, uh, please take a look. Um, are we, I don't think we're going to talk too much about it beyond that, um, unless you think well, it uh, Yeah, I do want to mention one thing, though. Um, uh, there's a number of tiers, of course. That's how Patreon works. Yep. And the second tier is important because we will also be starting our Data Summit uh, Washington free entry ticket raffle. We've got two <laughs> tickets to hand out. And uh, one of the tier, one of the perks we're gonna give our patrons is you will get first pick on any raffle we do. Yeah. So even at a very low entry level, you don't have to spend fifty bucks for this. It's for, it's one of the first tiers uh, on the on the on the site. Uh, you will get one week. Uh, how do you call that? Uh, pri- early privacy, access. You know, primary access. Early early access. Yeah, that's what there I was looking for. Uh, on any raffle we do. So we're going to start this raffle for the DC uh, when this episode goes live. Yep. That's on the 30th. And that week, and let's say the week ends on the seventh day of the Catholic weeks so on Sunday, um, that's when the, the, the early access period ends. So if you want to make, uh, if you want to get a ticket to the DC Datework Summit and you want to make your chances better, become a patron, give us a couple, little bit of money and you will get a head start. There we go. You okay with that? <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um, so, yeah, so that's happening. So, yeah, the DC raffle does start one week later than we announced two weeks ago, but that's just how life works. Yep, indeed. I blame somebody else. <laughs> I blame I blame timing and calendars and there not being enough days in every given month or week or year. Um, and while we're talking money things, you want to want to mention the mech store as well, the merch store. Indeed, the mech store would be interesting. We could sell large <laughs> Roaring Elephant branded mechs that people could stomp around their houses and gardens. Don't and make promises and... we can't keep. <laughs> but, but we don't have one of those. What we do have is a merch store, um, and have had for some time actually. And thank you to those people that have actually bought stuff from the merch store. I can I can comfortably reveal that our most popular item has been the uh, the bumper sticker. So if you haven't checked that out, um, you you might want to have a quick peek. Uh, we we yeah. will, I'm sure, release uh, some new merch with the uh, the new subtle um, sort of rebranding and relaunching that we're going through at the moment. But you know, if you if you're looking for some classic merch, that's the place to go. And if you're looking for some merch that we don't have in the store yet, 
give us some feedback, fill out a feedback form, send an email to podcast.org with all your suggestions. We're wow. happy to do this because for us, it's just a way to give something back when you want to give us something. Patreon yeah. is one way you can do this now. Merch store is kind of the same thing. We don't make much on it, but it's kind of, uh, it's a bit of fun, I guess. Yeah. And it gets the brand out there and, and you get something cool that you can flash around the office or home or mm-hmm. spaceport. Now, if you want laptop stickers, those will never be in the merch store. You want those, you have to hit us up for them. We're yep. the only ones that distribute those. <laughs> Indeed. I still have some, so, you know, we're not completely out yet. Nope, 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 no, we still have some. All right, after that, oh, before we go into the news, a quick shout out to Milan from uh, Germany. Uh, thank you for your nice email, and uh, we'll keep doing what you want us to do. <laughs> indeed, indeed. It's it's always nice to get feedback. We've had some really great feedback over the last few months, actually. We, we don't always mention everybody, and for that, I I do apologize. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's really just because we forget, because <laughs> we're a bit crap like that. But well, um, we, a bit, I know. <laughs> we, we really do appreciate all the feedback that we get. Definitely. So, um, you know, keep the feedback coming in, keep the, uh, the kind words coming in, and uh, we'll keep doing what we're doing. All right, on to the news. Now, who's going to go first? I think so, you should go first. <laughs> well, I'm going to go first with a shout out to <laughs> to Nico Kreiling, who actually also reached out to us uh, with a blog he wrote. And um, I was going to do a mention of the, of the contact, obviously. But to be honest, it's a damn good blog. So I'm going to use this one for one of my blogs this week. Well, there we go. <laughs> Tell me all about it. What's, what's it all about? Well, it's actually a nice follow-on of our um, uh, interview that's going on, I should say, at the moment for, with the Data Kitchen uh, per person from uh, sorry, with the person from Data Kitchen, mm-hmm. Chris Berg. That's how English works uh, about the data ops. Because the blog that uh, Nico wrote is about, about frameworks for machine learning model management, mm-hmm. and this is one of the things that is becoming an issue for a lot of customers. And I see this happening in my customers as well. Uh, so this is definitely something that's uh, happening, where people are creating so many neural networks, so many machine learning models that you actually need to have some kind of revision system to keep track of what did I change where and what was the result again? It's not just, okay, spent $1,000 to train my model once and now I have a model which is gold and I will use for the rest of my life. No, now you start a, a for loop to, to go across a whole range of hyperparameter settings and see which one works best because that's just how fast the hardware has gotten <laughs> and how good the algorithms have gotten. And yeah, you need something now like Git for machine learning models. Git is a bad idea for machine learning models, by the way. <laughs> but but it's not just it's not just the I mean it's not just the models that you can change. Obviously, it's the the you know you can change the training data sets. You can change, as you say, the, mm-hmm. the hyperparameters yeah. that you're using as well. So there's there's almost an the endless use, number yeah, of yeah. different kind of variables that you can you can feed into this whole thing. And and having something that will actually take care of the automation of that and the. the scoring for want of a better word i'm sure you have a better word um of of each of those individual environments is going to be more and more important yeah to to track what the scoring was yeah and how it's changed so it's just a way of kind of encapsulate a bit like how docker works if you like if if you want to make that comparison where you just put everything into one little blob which Mm -hmm. you store away so you can always go back to that blob if you want to go back to the results that that combination of the whole thing gave you 
And so there's a number of things available online these days. There's a lot of things uh, in the open source world. Open source always wins. And uh, Nico here in his blog has compared three of these, MLflow, DVC, and Sacred. Now, MLflow is, I think, the most well-known one. It's the one that uh, Databricks uh, published ooh, about three, four months ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Databricks, the guys behind Apache Spark uh, and the Databricks service. And MLflow is very well integrated with their environment. But it also works, if I read the blog here, pretty well outside of their environment. So apparently Databricks uh, has done it the good way, the, the, the open source way, by just making something that's flexible and broadly applicable and not just something you can pay them extra for. So kudos for them to that, for, uh, to them for that. Um, I'm not going to go into the details here, but uh, Nico actually has uh, code on the on the blog there showing how you do this. Because basically how this thing works is, as a data scientist, you have your notebook up and running where you uh, import your libraries, uh, get your data and your data frames, uh, start your training, do your testing, stuff like that. And basically what these things do is by adding little... Uh, function calls to that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call it a logging system, but it's more than logging, of course, because as you said, you also keep data sets and stuff. Yeah. Uh, by making these calls to those logging artifacts, you can make sure that that system will checkpoint or capture that information for later retrieval in a kind of version controlish way. And uh, Nick was uh, kind enough in his blog to just put in um, yeah, real uh, examples there, which you could just cut and paste and see how it works and see how much of a extra uh, load it is on the data scientist to put that stuff in there because mm. basically if i if i'm a data scientist which i'm not by the way <laughs> but if i was i want to do the data science thing and not all this craft around it or it must be very easy and not very fussy at all it shouldn't uh, i should definitely not uh, make my work harder yeah <laughs> yeah so that's very nice. Um, so the second one he talks about is DVC, which I hadn't heard of, to be honest. Uh, he talks about DVC first, by the way. He talks about MLflow second. He changed the order, apparently. <laughs> uh, but DVC stands for Data Version Control. Hey, that's where I got my Git comparison from, although that also comes from his blog, to be honest. <laughs> uh, same thing, same idea, but it has some other advantages, disadvantages. Uh, those two seem to be working pretty well indeed. The third one, Sacred, I really hadn't heard about and also seems to be a bit more new-ish. But I think, I mean, I read this last week and my memory is horrible. Because um, one of the things that these also bring is a UI, a kind of an interface where you can actually visualize that uh, information. It's compare it with uh, Git being a repository thing where you do yeah. Git submits and stuff and github or gitlab or cogs or whatever you're using being a graphical front end web front end where you can actually interact and look at nice graphs and stuff now these things uh, mlflow has a ui which you can use for that uh dvc has as well as far as i know sacred i'm not entirely sure yeah sacred has one too but uh, one of the things that i got from the blog was that that's a big differentiation between the three things depend uh, looking at what they can visualize and how much they have in there so basically if you look at the end of the blog it has a nice conclusion there with a nice table with the features and uh, things he looked at and uh it gives a very nice uh i would say impartial uh, advice, not even advice, but just uh, it's a nice review of uh, the three uh, the three things. Yeah, I like it yeah. very much. I must admit, I I'm sure I'd come across ML Flow somewhere. Yeah, but DV, DVC now. and Sacred, I I'm sure I've never heard of before. So nice <laughs> to nice to see um, see some of this information, and certainly yeah. I'm sure it'll be useful to our audience. 
Yeah, I mean, I learned something because MLflow I knew about. Uh, I know on Azure, uh, we also have something called Azure Machine Learning. There's something similar. So if you, that's also something if you're going, if you're working all this stuff in the, one of the big public clouds, uh, these tools, except for the Databricks one, which is also really a SaaS uh, solution, but DVC and Sacred is something you have to install and, and manage yourself. Yeah. If you're cloud-minded and you're in an open, open uh, public cloud somewhere, uh, I know for a fact in Azure, but probably on the other clouds as well, there will be something available there too. So also take to keep that in mind and see uh, how that um, yeah works well or not well integrating with the rest of that cloud environment. Because again, the more you can automate, the more you can make other people do for you, the better it is, right? Yeah. And uh, I'd also like to say that uh, if you look down at the comments, that one of the DVC authors actually comments, which is really cool. And uh, the, he uh, he runs through uh, a few uh, sort of additions. And in mm-hmm. fact, Nico then comments back saying, thanks for the feedback and actually updates some of the uh, the details. Because yeah. uh, like many of these things, the, the, the idea for the blog comes first. The authoring of the blog post usually happens over a period of time. Um, usually for me, that period of time is significantly longer than it should be. And then the actual <laughs> publishing happens. And then usually there's some sort of, oh, yeah, hmm, probably should have uh, updated some of those some of that information. So it's uh, such is the, the power of um, this stuff going online and actually people picking it up, reading it and commenting on it. Yeah, so the blog's on the InnoVex blog. There'll be a link in the show notes. And uh, Nico, thanks again for sending it my way and making my life a little bit easier. Yeah, <laughs> And absolutely. thanks for the blog. Good work. So, moving on, uh, it's a birthday. Well, it was a birthday back on March the 29th, <laughs> um, the 20th anniversary of the Apache Software Foundation. Uh, hooray, cake, candles, <laughs> all that kind of good stuff. Not confetti, confetti's for us. Yeah, confetti's for us. Um, so this is just a. I mean, I am a, I'm a strong fan of the Apache Software Foundation. I think the way that they have helped provide um, more of a structured process to stability. Yeah, to provide to provide stability around open source projects, to provide governance, um, and generally to ensure that um, projects, you know continue to be successful i think is is really important um and th- this is just a, a nice little article about some of the things that um uh, the apache software foundation has had a significant impact in um the i'm not going to go through every single um data point but of course the one that i was going to say the one that most people know but i'm guessing that actually it's not really the case but um the one that certainly comes to mind initially for me is the Apache HTTP server. Um, it's, it is the default web server almost anywhere and everywhere. Um, there are many others like it. This one is mine. Um, the, the fact is that it is, it's long been the top um, web server. Um, it's been sort of under increasing challenge from Nginx um, mm-hmm. recently. And of course I'm, Kind of curious as to how that will uh, how that will change, given that Nginx have now been acquired. Um, you know what what will happen with what will happen oh, there? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Who acquired but, them? Um, it was. Uh, Please stand by for this was, messages. It was a. Um, <laughs> That totally slipped my radar. 
yeah. F5. My goodness. Yes, that was it. Uh, F5. So F5 the, the load balancing and... Uh, yeah, that's a strange mix. I mean, I know Nginx is one of the best ones. If you want to do a, a, a reverse proxy, then Nginx is a lot easier than Apache. That's one of well, the, the big advantages of Nginx above that. But doing I, this with F5, interesting. I think, I think it, does make, it does make a lot of sense. So full disclosure, I do know some folks at Nginx. I have talked to them not about this specifically, um, because there's there's still things that they can't really talk about. But yeah, sure. um, if you think you know, F5 is synonymous with big hardware, with hardware load balancing and all that kind of stuff, and if you look at the way that uh, a lot of things are going, it's all going towards software and containerization. And yeah, you can, you can definitely thing. see like them software developing design. products that can just be deployed as software products. And Nginx, as you say, having that whole kind of reverse proxy and a whole bunch of other features that, that make it, um, you know, very useful for that sort of, uh, that sort of technology, that sort of workload. I think for F5, it's their sort of, it's their play into the software world and the sort of the next generation of that side of things. But that's my, that's my guess. That's my supposition. Um, we'll have to see now, how that all plays out. My experience out. with F- F5 is uh, from the cloud appliances they have. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would not really dare to say that they're very open source minded. So I'm very curious to find out how that's going to be working for them. Well, indeed. Interesting. Time will tell. So I think you learn something new every day. Two months ago. Yeah. See, that's why I do this podcast with Dave. He teaches me all kinds of fun stuff. (laughs) Mainly rude words (laughs) in English. Um, So moving moving on. The data point, I said I wasn't going to go through every single one, but I'm going to go through the second one as well. So data point two, Apache is the home to Hadoop big data. I think it's it's been very clear that the Apache Software Foundation has, has... really seen it's been the home for the majority of the key components that has made up the the big data ecosystem over the years and i think it's a big part of the success of of big data has been through this kind of this collaborative ecosystem so i think it's it's a it's a really nice sort of uh, set of projects that that work well together and continue to grow and continue to innovate yeah, I'd even say that I think Hadoop is the first time, I'm not talking about the Apache Hadoop project itself, but the Hadoop mm-hmm. cluster, the idea of having Spark, Hive, Impala, whatever, ecosystem. in one cluster. Ecosystem. Uh, the, I think it's the first time that an ecosystem of that many different and sometimes divergent mm-hmm. open source projects were able to come together in a more or less streamlined fashion, allowing yeah. for distributions to build around it. Yeah. And I... I'm I'm not entirely sure if without Apache being there, that would have been possible. Without that structure in there, without that same way yes. of doing things, having release sequel um, sequences, having yeah that, that kind of bureaucratic rubbish around it, that's basically what you need if you want to make something that's this size. Yeah. Sadly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think I think I think you're right. Um, I. So skipping through, there's a variety of other projects that they talk about. Um, data point number five is kind of interesting. I don't, I, I don't really know. So it's about the Apache license that they talk about. Now, um, 
I I don't really know enough about the legals behind um, the Apache license versus the GPL. I know enough to be dangerous, but not enough to to uh, to talk about it from a point of authority. So much like much many of the other things I talk about. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't go into that in any depth. But it is clear that that has been a big part of of what has made many of these projects um, successful. But the the one that I really do want to talk about is the Apache Way, and this is this goes back to what we were talking about initially. Um, and for me, the the most important point is that one of the last points that they raise in here, which is the fact that all the communication is done in the open. There's no kind of you know sil- silent um, cabals of of uh, things done in back rooms like if it doesn't the the sort of the quote here is that if it didn't happen on the mailing list it didn't happen which i think is is a really really nice way to run an open source project you know the, you shouldn't have organizations you know quietly steering things in the background they need to be upfront about what what their thoughts are what their suggestions are and people collaborating like this i think is one of the most powerful things about open source so happy birthday uh, apache mm-hmm. software foundation don't sing because that will uh, blacklist us everywhere because <laughs> that song is actually copyrighted and you're not allowed to sing it unless you pay somebody it's not disney but it's one of those big media companies that has a patent for that one but they call yeah. it yeah, don't worry. There's no, there's no real risk of me singing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, people. I tried. <laughs> right then. Okay. T- tell us, tell us about highly stressful situations. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is not really a good news article. There's no real tech <laughs> in there, but I, I, it kind of struck me, and then I read it. It kind of thought ah, I'm going to talk about it on the on the on the podcast because usually. Dave has like four articles he wants to talk about, only get a little bit, so I'll I'll just throw that one in. Uh, uh, It's actually appeared, uh, the the original thing here was a YouTube video from Google, Mm -hmm. and that's been blogged about uh, on different sites, and I picked one from sciencealert.com, because one, I'd never heard of the website before, so I'm going to throw him some Twitter fame... (laughs) Which they probably don't need from me. And also one that has a somewhat more ex- uh, large article writing written about the subject. And the title is, Google's AI has learned to become highly aggressive in stressful situations. And it kind of struck me in the more, I don't know, philosophical way where we kind of think we'll automate things and AIs will get born and they'll be our good masters, parents more, and take care of us. But the uh, AI that Google developed to do all of those uh, uh, video games, uh, the DeepMind AI, actually what they saw when they were training them for, I think it was a Dota uh, test that they did when they were fighting against the Dota teams. Uh, can't mm. find it right now. But anyway, what they found is when they gave it adversarial motivation, the AI became aggressive. Just as they say here, just like people do. Yeah. <laughs> So it would turn out that uh, anything people create, any progenity we make, may they be biological or, in this case, artificial, they kind of keep getting our traits. It's apparently a fact of nature. I'm not sure if I'm happy about that. (laughs) Well, the the thing is, it's just about efficiency, really. So, I mean, if if you give something a set of of rules to follow... You can't then be surprised if it 
reaches the most efficient way to execute those rules. Like that's that's how this works. That's literally how this works. <laughs> um, the fact Are you that saying survival just, of the fittest, that's it, and there's nothing else. Are we going yeah, to deep end because, in now? <laughs> yeah, pretty much because that if that's if if those are the rules that you set for something, you can't you you can't or shouldn't be surprised that it takes the very shortest point between A and B to get to that point. Now, the fact that you know if it was a human, it might kind of meander along the way before it finally reaches that eventual kind of point, maybe of of a particular uh, personality or however you want to describe it. Um, but you know the, that that's the whole point about about these is it it is is it it is accelerated to the point where it, it will find the most efficient way to complete the its task with the the the, the rules or the um you know the conditions that have been set for it and if that means then be aggressive and and murder death kill everything else that's out there then that's exactly what it's going to do um yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. It's, it's the context rules that uh, are applying here because uh, the second example they give is uh, a, another game they made for it. Uh, they got simplified versions of games. This, this one was mm. called Wolfpack Game, the Wolfpack, which were more of a if you work together, you'll get more um, results, a better result. And in that one, the AI actually started working together uh, more. So it is, as you said, the, the, the rules you put in there is what you're going to get out of there. But uh, it also means that any kind of sense of morals or values will have to be put in there by yeah. us. And if we don't, then they won't be there. It's not magic, people. It's, it's mathematics. Indeed. One plus one equals two. Oh. But anyway, I thought it was a fun little article about a fun, uh, uh, as you call it, uh, experiment that Google did with their gaming uh, AI. And uh, it's a bit of a fun read. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So remember to to code morals into your AI situations, so we didn't have Skynet. That's basically yeah. So I just want to talk to my accountant here when you do my tax returns. Put some morals in there. <laughs> Should be worth something. Come on. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think the uh, inland revenue or whatever your uh, uh, IRS or whatever your local uh, version of that actually has any morals. Um. Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> There's people working there too. They're forced by their by their horn. No, let, let's let's stop. This is not going the right way. <laughs> I mean, it's tax season over here. I'm not sure how it's on your end, but yes, kind of yes, top of mind. <laughs> yes, I don't want to alert the uh, the tax overlords. Anyway, so on that note, anything else from you? Mm -hmm. uh, nope. I think I did enough damage again. <laughs> <laughs> and in that case that is all the time we have today you can support this podcast by becoming a Patreon every contribution Yay. helps um, please go to www.roaringelephant.org for a link to our Patreon page or search Patreon for Roaring Elephant um, more information about this podcast follow us up on Twitter use the at Hadoopcast tag and send your message to podcast at roaringelephant.org until then my name is Dave my name is Jon and we look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye. See you then. Bye.